horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this show. Uh, as far as our guests are concerned, uh, my first guest is Janice Blake. Uh, she's a uh, jockey and an author, and she uh, wrote a book called How to Exercise a Thoroughbred Racehorse, and she has a fantastic site with a video series. I know last week we had Frankie Lovato Jr. on uh, talking about the 365 days of racing terms. This will really give you some insight as to what happens on the backstretch before during and after a morning workout. Janice does a very good presentation uh, with, with her videos, and I'm really looking forward to talking to her. Uh, she's got a great website, too. We'll let you know how to get there. Uh, she's also, of course, on, on, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, then we got the news that uh, it looks like Beulah Park is shuttering its doors. Just weeks ago, we were talking about Hollywood Park closing the track, and now Beulah Park, who's starting up this week, this will be their last meet since 1923, and we're going to speak to a guy that's been there for many, many years from the Daily Racing Forum, John McDoolin, and also John McDoolin for many years was out at Oak Lawn Park, so while Beulah Park's closing their gates, opening their gates tomorrow is beautiful Oak Lawn Park, a track I would highly suggest you put on your list of places to see in Hot Springs, a very, very cool little town, and we'll be handicapping the first Oak Lawn Stake of the Dixie Bell when we get John McDoolin from the Daily Racing Forum. So listen, what do you say we have a little fun because the 2013 Eclipse Award finalists have been announced and we want to get you involved. So Winning Ponies is going to have an Eclipse Awards contest. Now, uh, don't go there tonight. It's going to start tomorrow. Go to their homepage. It's a free contest, but, hey, there's cash up for grabs and a lot of winning credits where you can pull down some easy win forms. And my friend Curtis Cody has donated uh, several beautiful full-color calendars to get you through 2014 with all the good racing dates on there. So what you want to do is uh, correct horse of the year will be 30 points, and then all other categories are going to be worth 10. And in ties, we're just going to split the the prize, and we'll make sure we, we take care of you. So uh, with the uh, winners announced in 17 horse and human categories, uh, there's 272 voters representing the NTRA and the National Thoroughbred Writers and Broadcasters and the Daily Racing Form. So uh, let's take a look at the top horses that they whittled down to see who would be on your ballot. Horse of the year, Mucho Macho. These are in alphabetical order, not playing favorites. Mucho Macho Man will take charge in Wise Dan. Now let's go down to the babies. We got Havana, New Year's Day, and Shared Belief for the two-year-old boys. Two-year-old girls, it's Chrysalium, the Irish bred. Rio Antonio, who's going to take on the boys, hopefully, on the trail to the Derby. And she's a tiger. Of course, those two uh, traded spots in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies due to disqualification. Rio Antonio put up. For the three-year-old boys, Orb, Palace Malice, 
and will take charge. A very tough division. Three-year-old filly, just as tough. Beholder, Close Hatches, and Princess of Silmar. Older male, this is another one that's going to be tough. Game on Dude, Mucho Macho Man, and Wise Dan. Older female, Joyful Victory, Royal Delta, Tis Ms. Sue. As far as the sprinters are concerned, the boys, points off the bench, Sahara Sky and Secret Circle. The female sprinter, Dance to Bristol, Groupie Doll, and Ms. Direction. Turf Horse Boys, Magician, Point of Entry, Wise Dan. The girls, Dank, Laughing, and Ms. Direction. Steeplechase, Divine Fortune, Gustavian, and Italian Wedding. And you probably have to do a little bit of homework on both the, the Steeplechase and perhaps the Apprentice Jockey. I'll skip a couple categories and just get to the trainers. Bob Baffert, Bill Mott, and Todd Pletcher, and Jockey Javier Castellano, Joel Rosario, and Gary Stevens. So good luck. Don't forget the contest starts tomorrow on the homepage at Winning Ponies. Well, uh, some good friends that have been on Winning Ponies over the years are pulling down the awards. My good friend Marty McGee won the Media Eclipse Award for a feature he did called for DeSormo, conflicting views on his struggles. It was just a fantastic story on the life and times of Hall of Fame jockey uh, Kent DeSormo and the impact on his family that it was in the racing form on April 20th. Uh, believe it or not, this is Marty's first Eclipse Award, as many great stories as he's written. Of course, uh, born and raised in Louisville, He's worked at the Forum since 1992. Uh, couldn't happen uh, to a harder-working guy, a fantastic wordsmith. A lot of people like to know he's a graduate of the University of Kentucky with a degree in journalism. And as young as he is, he's attended the last 40 runnings of the Kentucky Derby. Of course, all he had to do was ride his bike over there. But it was just a fantastic story. I remember reading it and seeing Marty in the Keeneland press box that day, and everybody was talking about this story. Uh, he traced the journey of Kent's life in a fantastic biographical detail uh, through his battles with alcohol, the breakup of his marriage, his complicated relationship with his children. Uh, then he, he's uh, interviewed also his parents, uh, his brother Keith, who was on the, the Derby Trail. Uh, and, of course, if you go to the Daily Racing Forum, you will be able to uh, track the story down. And also uh, getting a uh, honorable mention was a friend of ours that's been on the show several times, Joe Nevels, for his story, Finding Charlie, about his uh, eight-year search to find his grandfather's favorite racehorse. It was, again, published in the Daily Racing Forum. That was back on November 9th. Another gentleman that's been with us, he's got the Chicago and New Orleans circuit. Marcus Hirsch won the Media Eclipse Award for News Enterprise uh, uh, Writing. And uh, congratulations to him. It was a great story uh, on... Uh, Rene Douglas, when he, his return to the track after being injured, of course, Rene lost the use of his legs in an accident back in May of 2009 at Arlington Park. Uh, he had kind of spurned horse racing, but uh, through engineering the purchase of a Panamanian horse, uh, he kind of got back into it and went all the way to Dubai with Private Zone, who was the uh, the favorite. Again, another fantastic uh uh, story there. And also in this category, he won another one for Blinkers, a closer look on their impact on racehorses. And our friend Ray Pollock, that's been on Winning Ponies, also got an honorable mention. Uh, the Eclipse Award 
for merit will go to none other than D. Wayne Lucas, the most successful trainer in the history of horse racing. Uh, the Eclipse Award of Merit for a Lifetime of Outstanding Achievement, certainly well-deserved. I mean, come on. He's 78 years old. He had an interest in horses at an early age. Uh, you may know that he was a teacher and a high school basketball coach after earning his master's degree from the University of Wisconsin, where he was born. Uh, started out with the quarter horses and then turned to thoroughbreds, uh, rode to prominence in 1980 Preakness with Codex. You remember that one with uh, the controversy there and became the first trainer to surpass the 200 million barrier in 1990. And he has led the nation in money won 14 times in his career. Of course, they call him the coach, but it's not just because he used to coach basketball. Think of some of the guys that have come up under his tutelage. Bobby Barnett, Randy Bradshaw, Mark Hennig, Mike Maker, Karen McLaughlin, Todd Pletcher, Dallas Stewart, and George Weaver. What a graduating class. So uh, D. Wayne Lucas certainly, certainly uh, deserves that honor. Well, uh, again, we're going to talk to Janice uh, Blake uh, coming up in the next segment. And there was uh, a uh, head-on training accident at, at Belmont Park, where I believe she's stationed right now. And it was KXA Electronica, winner of the 2012 Fall Highway very popular horse, uh, a nine-year-old horse uh, that Todd Pletcher just absolutely loved. He was galloping on the training track when he collided with another horse. Six drivers was running loose after having unseated his rider behind the starting gate. So uh, very sorry to hear about the, the loss of this horse. Very gutsy horse. He had a record of 23-9 and 11 and 69 starts, one over $1.8 million. Uh, now his exercise rider, Carlos Castro, was taken uh, to to the hospital for evaluation. Uh, the other rider suffered no apparent injuries. Uh, again, we already mentioned that uh, Beulah Park will be closing its final meet, and I can't wait to talk to John McDoolin. We'll be it will be trading stories. Uh, it's a track that uh, both of us have worked at over the years, and there's always uh, some funny things that that, that have happened there. Uh, also, uh, a regular on the show, of course, uh, Brian Hernandez Jr. Uh, last week we mentioned uh, that, that his wife won the Eclipse Award for photography, and now his sister, Courtney, has hit the saddle. She's only 19 years old. She's the fourth member of the Hernandez family to uh, hit the saddle, and uh, her course it all started with their father, Brian Hernandez. He's been a jockey for most of the kids' lives. He's 48 years old and still riding. And then her brother, Colby, 24, is also riding. He's been riding since 2006. So, again, you PR guys out there, get on this story. You've got to have a family feud with the Hernandez family. Put together a great promotion. I think that uh, HRTV or TVG would absolutely love it. We could get the NTRA behind it. Uh, but that would just be a great, great family uh, feud. Well, let's go back and look at uh, some of the races that we handicapped last week. Hey, Tom Quigley, how sharp is this guy? Of course, we brought him in from Quigley's Corner out on the West Coast. Had him handicapped the Santa Ynez, a four-horse field. And who does he come up with? He comes up with a horse that was beaten by 23 lengths in its last race. Awesome, baby. And it paid $12.60, upsetting uh, the... Uh, other half of the Baffert entry, who was four to five, crushed velvet, ended up running third. And in the middle, the horse I like tastes like candy. One of the 
horses from the strong Jerry Hollendorfer stable. So congratulations to Tom Quigley giving winners out to our winning ponies uh, crowd out there at, at Santa Anita. Uh, then uh, we uh, we squoze in uh, the uh, midnight loot, and that went to Cyclometer. It was off slow and just won easily under Mike Smith to take that stakes race. And then the uh, San Gabriel, a grade two, it went to the horse that I liked, Geronimo got another win. Geronimo really liked Santa Anita. That was his fourth victory over there. Tom thought he was a little long in the tooth. He's eight-year-old horse, still winning races. And then, of course, a race that had uh, points for the Derby system. It was the Jerome. Very impressive winner at four to five was Noble Moon. Took over at the half mile and dug in late. Lasted over classic G rock and roll. And for the third spot, it was a fast closing Scotland. So that's a look at some of the top races that we handicapped right here on Winning Ponies. All right, we're going to go to a little bit of a break here. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Janice Blake, author of How to Exercise a Thoroughbred Racehorse. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, one of the great things about thoroughbred racing is there's always so many interesting people out there. And what I love is ambassadors of the sport, just like Tom Quigley that I mentioned that we had on from Santa Anita last week. 
Uh, people that embrace the sport. Also, just last week, Frankie Lovato Jr. does such a great job at teaching people about the game. Well, I'm cruising the net, looking for something new and exciting, and, and I happen upon Janice L. Blake, who has uh, done just about ev- everything uh, in, in riding horses and racing, but now she's taking her experiences. Uh, she's not only uh, put her, her pen to paper, uh, but she's also produced some uh, gr- really excellent uh, videos that will take you through uh, a day in the life of an exercise rider. And so uh, with no further ado, let me uh, introduce you to Janice Blake. Janice, how you doing? A little chilly out there on the island, huh? Yeah, it is, John, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, when, when I, when I uh, read your biography, it kind of uh, reads like uh, <clears throat> a lot of the people that uh, I've had a chance to, to, to be with in racing, uh, they kind of just fell in love with it at, at, a, at a young age, uh, barrel racing, eventing, show jumping, and then somehow they, they, it kind of leads into thoroughbred racing. Uh, what, was the, what was the step from kind of the sport horse to the thoroughbred for you? Well, I kind of went at it backwards. Um, I wanted to be a jockey since I was about four years old, pretty much as long as I can remember. But there were no jockey schools around. There was no racetrack. And so I was just, I just gravitated towards horses. And there was a livery stable close by where I lived, so I got a job at the livery stable. I mean, at least I was with horses, and I figured, well, I'll learn how to ride, and then once I get to the racetrack, I'll know what I'm doing. So, um, that being said, showing horses and racing horses are completely different. Just different uh, disciplines. But um, I got into... But um, but the whole thing, the the whole key is communication. I didn't hear you. I, I said th- that is true, but any time you come in contact with, with a horse, I think it increases your awareness of communication. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, they're all horses, no matter what. The bottom line is they're all horses. So you ended up exercising horses for a uh, well-known man in the Chicago area, Noel Hickey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was coming back up from uh, Florida in April, and I was getting on horses. I started getting on horses at, at Sportsman's Park in, in February. Now, that's real. That's a, a freezer. <laughs> Bundle up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we were stabled at Hawthorne. We had to ride across the Hawthorne track to get to the sportsmen. And there was just, there, you know, the horses have balls of ice on their feet, and it was icy all the way there and back. And I was very happy to see spring come along. Well, you, you paid your dues. From what I see, you hooked up with them in 97. <laughs> yeah. And in 1998, you actually won your first thoroughbred race in a much warmer place, Tampa Bay Downs, uh, riding yeah. Friendly Goose. That had to feel marvelous That from a, a wish that you had as a young girl that you accomplished it. Oh, yeah. That was a highlight of my whole life up to that point. It was just everything culminated. And what happened with her is, she was supposed to be in for 12.5, and the race didn't go. And then she was supposed to be in for 75, and the race didn't go. So then she ended up being, they put her in for 5,000, and, you know, she just, she pretty much galloped. <laughs> so it was my lucky day. Well, you know, I also see uh, through your biography, I, I, I don't think you're, you're in the witness protection program, but I see that, that the thoroughbred horses have taken you to 12 different states and Brazil. Uh, you sure yeah. don't let the, uh, the earth get warm under your feet. I know. 
Yeah, there's something about the itinerant lifestyle that that attracts me. I don't know what that is, but uh, I'm I'm pretty much I'm I'm over that now. I just want to stay in one place. <laughs> well, that place right now is uh, in in on the New York circuit, the Naira circuit. And uh, yeah. before we we end this uh, segment, I'm going to make sure that uh, we we give everybody a chance to. Uh, uh, contact you and, and uh, uh, get to your, your various sites, uh, but uh, I really would like to know a little bit more about what went into uh, making your book, How to Exercise Thoroughbred Racehorses. Was it something you had thought about for a while, uh, the notes uh, that you took over time, or did you finally just take a break and um, say, I'm going to write that? Well, yeah, I did take copious notes because I, I when I was writing for the uh, dressage guys, these guys we're not just backyard dressage people. I mean, this guy was a alternate for the Olympics in 1956, and the other guy, um, his brother, made it to the Olympics. And and these were serious people. And I took a lot of notes about horses and how to get them to do what you want them to do and why they do what they do. And so I was like, I like had a PhD in in um, horse riding, <laughs> a lot of different uh, disciplines. And these guys, I mean, the one guy in, that was uh, altered at the Olympics was German. And uh, they don't mess around. I mean, they're tough. Those guys, they're tough. He was, he, he was old school, man. He, boy, he was tough. So anyway, <laughs> um, what happened was I've always been a good writer of words. And I didn't really want to be a writer in my life, so I went to school for um, veterinary medicine, and then it got to be time to go to vet school, and just the whole prospect of another $50,000 for four years was just daunting, so I decided not to go to vet school, and then um, I got into more writing, and <laughs> finally I, I, um, I asked my niece to come up to New York because she was horse crazy, and she wanted to know more about the horses and how the racehorses are, and she was just getting into riding and learning how to post and gallop, or canter, rather. And so I started writing down a few things for her about the racetrack and what to look out for and some of the things they do differently on the racetrack. Like, for instance, you tie a knot in the end of your rein on the racetrack, and no other discipline do you do that? You do it for, like, uh, jump riders do it, but um, not for dressage or show jumping or anything. And so I started riding down how to tie your knot and why you tie a knot and how you adjust your stirrups. And as I started riding this and, and um, looking at my notes, I thought, you know what? This information would be good for anybody. Because when I came on the racetrack, I was a little bit older than, than 16 or 17. I was more like 25, 26. And I was coming from the discipline of dressage and eventing, and this German guy, and um, nobody kind of took my hand and said, "Okay, Janice, this is how, this is the racehorse world. This is different. Um, it's more slapdash, and and you just get on and go, and um, you don't talk very much, and you just get the job done." You know, I was just I just kind of stepped into it and and just kind of learned by the seat of my pants how to do things and how not to do things by trial and error. So a lot of this information that I have in my book has never been written down before as far as I know. It's all word of mouth. Like how to get a leg up and how to tie your knot, um, how to ride to the racetrack and not get run over. 
uh, which way to go on the racetrack when you get on there, what, is, what does it mean when a horse uh, gallops backwards. And then people say, galloping backwards? How does a horse gallop backwards? Or how does a horse jog backwards? You know, and it's like, well, it doesn't really mean that. And uh, so I started formulating this whole thing, and it, it turned out to be a book. And well, uh, taking, I, I had it chapter. on uh, Amazon as a uh, an ebook for a year, and I have sixteen five star reviews on Amazon. Excellent. Well, I'm looking looking forward to, to reading the book. But I must say, you did a marvelous job at taking chapters of your book and putting them into the videos. And and I, I must say that uh, uh, you were really. Uh, Loose on camera. Um, everything you said was easy to understand, uh, right down to, to tying a knot, and then uh-huh. why you do that, and and how the rider gets <laughs> balance from it, and you know what what a cross is. Yeah. Something as, as basic as how to saddle a horse and the little yeah. nuances of it. Um, I did find it interesting that the, the one video that had you out on the track, there was actually a loose horse, so you got to yeah. address that. It was very sad uh, that Colexi uh, Electronica it ran yeah. into the situation it did this week. But, uh, again, uh, I, I think what you pointed out is that you better have your head on a swivel and be aware of what you're doing out there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's just so Your many videos were great. They really were. And uh, you just really have to to be uh, present and aware. And I, I go over that in my book quite a bit. It's, you know, you have to keep your head picked up. you got to look who's, what's going on behind you, in front of you, on the side of you. And um, if you need help, you got to ask somebody for help and, and just be very aware. Well, uh, Janice, let's make sure that we get our listeners, and I'm going to warn them right now, find your pen and a piece of paper someplace. Uh, I, I know that there's several different ways of, of contacting you, uh, and you know, www.janice, J-A-N-I-C-E-B-L-A-K-E dot com. No, there's, there's an L in there. Oh yeah, oh Janice L Blake. I'm sorry, yeah. Janice L Blake dot com is is one of them. Uh, but there's also other ways uh, to contact you, um, and I want to make sure that we that we give those out because I think when people get to to your your, your site or your YouTube or your Facebook, uh, they're they're going to be very very educated by uh, what they see. And I, and I must say, for someone that yeah, probably doesn't do it professionally, you've got great delivery on camera. You know what? It's so funny. When I was riding, when I was galloping horses at Hawthorne for Noel Hickey, I was taking acting classes in the afternoon. They paid off. I'll tell you yeah, that. And I did some acting on stage, and I acted in a Shakespeare play. And um, so, yeah, it, it came in handy. It was funny. <laughs> uh, www.twitter.com backslash at JLB. J O C K. Am I correct there for your Twitter? Uh, yeah. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, you, your your Facebook uh, is um, you, you go to Facebook and go to uh, Janice L Blake Biz. Is that correct? B I Z. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. And, uh, and that's my YouTube channel as well. Okay, that's your YouTube. So again, uh, because I misspelled it, I'm going to repeat your, your website because that's where people can go uh, to order the book, How to Exercise a Thoroughbred Racehorse. Uh, if, if you don't want to do it yourself, maybe you've got a friend that's interested in getting in the business, www.janiselblake.com. 
com. We'll we'll yeah. we'll get you there, and it really is. It's e- easily navigated. Uh, it's uh, like I said, you're really going to enjoy your videos. Uh, quite frankly, for somebody that's been around the game as long as I have, I learned some things from watching you. And oh, cool. uh, it's just uh, it, it's very well done, and you can tell that uh, you, you really uh, you've got your heart into it, and you know what you're talking about. Oh, thank you. So I, uh, I just yeah, I'm really into educating and and educating people, and so they treat the horses better and. I mean, I can't tell you what I've seen on the track or, you know, for people doing the horses. And, you know, you can't say anything at the moment, but you just would like to say, look, you know, it would be better if you could do it this way. And um, so hopefully my book and, and my videos will help people learn a little bit. Well, I hope they will too. I hope we've got the message the message out there. Again, we've been talking uh, with, with Janice Blake, who's on the Naira circuit and uh, is, is the author of How to Exercise a Thoroughbred Racehorse. Janice, thank you for spending your time with us on Winning Ponies tonight. Thank you very much for having me, John. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, that was that was uh, Janice Blake, and coming up next, uh, one track is closing its doors, another one is opening it, and a guy that's worked at both of those tracks, John McDoolin from the Daily Racing Forum, is going to be with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, no stranger to winning ponies from the daily racing form, from, from the top of press box across the country, is uh, my friend and writer and chart caller and a guy that's done just about everything in the business. He's worked on the on the backstretch in the racing offices. Uh, it is John McDoolan. Johnny Mac, how you doing tonight? Pretty good, John. How you doing? 
I'm doing good. I, I feel good. Uh, we, we got through the thing. My pipes froze, but none of them burst. And uh, now it's like a balmy 26 degrees here. So we, we made it over the toughest part of this uh, uh, vortex that came down uh, from uh, yeah. uh, the uh, North Pole. So we, we survived. Now, uh, you know, I got to talk with you a little bit uh, off microphone uh, the other day. And um, both of us have spent some time. At, we'll start with Beulah Park, track that opened up, oldest track in Ohio, oldest throwback track in Ohio, 1923, and it was my very first job in thoroughbred racing was as track photographer at what was then called Darby Downs. It had been purchased by three different interests. It was called Darby Downs, and uh, I showed up. I took a two-thirds cut and pay to get into racing, uh, took a photo of the first race, and we got snowed out. The races were canceled, and I was holed up in a Motel 6 for the rest of the day <laughs> with about a foot of snow, and I'm scratching my head going, man, did I make the right decision or what, you know? <laughs> it could have been a week. Yeah, I, you know, even though I never got really. rich, I, I've always been, been happy. I'm always glad that I've been in the racing game, and uh, I, I'm sure that you've got some stories about Beulah Park yourself. Oh, yeah. Beulah Park is one-of-a-kind place. It's... uh especially back in the, uh, I guess it would have been the early, late 80s, early 90s, when Dick Wilson was a general manager there. There, there was some stuff. It, it was it was unbelievable. We, uh, at one point, they would uh, they would decide at noon if, if we were going to start at 1230 or if we were going to start at 1 o'clock. If it was, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Was gonna this by me? How did this work? Out and, and there was going to be plenty of sunshine to finish the card. Then we would start at at uh, twelve thirty, but if it or, or we would start at one o'clock, but if it was going to be uh, overcast and and you know the weather, you know over cloudy and crappy and chance that it'd be dark by by four thirty or five, then then we would we would start early at twelve thirty. So you had to, you had to get there at by noon to know if you wanted to, if you were going to be able to vet the first or not. Easy to get shut out in the Daily Double. Well, just to wind time oh, yeah. back for a little bit for our listeners, uh, a, a, a place uh, you know that's it's been around that long. I mean, back at its heyday, uh, Beulah Park they called it the Saratoga of the South, and uh, yeah. I've got photos where you could not see an empty spot on the apron at all, and actually, like I said, uh, I mean Calumet Farm had a string of, a string of horses there. It was quite the trap. Yeah, I mean, uh, back in the day, unbelievable. I mean, they they still. I mean, I I can't believe they're just going to bulldoze the grandstand. I mean, there's a there's actual there's a walkway where the guy goes. Uh, used to go up and and with chalk and and mark the odds of all the horses and how much money was bet in the pools and 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 the uh, prices of all the horses. And I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. It it, it if you if you if you didn't if you'd never been there and you walked in you'd think you walked into a track from like nineteen forty something, which was the probably the last time it was updated. Yeah, but, well, uh, <laughs> I expect to see Mickey Rooney smoking a cigar when I go into the yeah, grandstand. Exactly. I, I was but, up there not but, too long ago, I was doing you know, some family I mean, photos. It, it's still it's still that way. The the old ambiance of that and it just uh I remember going there as a kid back then, you know, of course there wasn't any simulcasting and my grandpa I didn't it, Inevitably, on the weekend, on a Saturday, we we go to my grandparents' house, and uh, 
my grandpa would say, ah, this guy at work, yeah, he's got a hot one up at Beulah today. He said, Let's hurry up and drive up there. And my dad, myself, my grandpa would jump in the car and drive up to Beulah and, and uh, bet the double or bet whatever at, uh, at that old place. And, uh, I mean, it's still, I still get that same feeling when I walk in there every day, which is just kind of neat. Well, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of... Um the, the, when I worked there, the announcer's name John Scully, and uh, yeah. John made the ultimate announcer's mistake in that uh, John liked to play the ponies, and uh, pretty on a pretty regular basis. And uh, so one day the horses are coming down the track, and it's it's Syracuse Slough, and it's Chewy Bubble Syracuse Slough, Chewy Bubble Syracuse Chewy. Uh, oh, boom! <laughs> He forgot the, the ultimate mistake of an announcer who bets. He did not flip the switch, and that blank that I just left there went all the way out to the public, and you just saw everybody turn to each other and, and look up to the press box and say, did he just say that? And luckily, only the people there heard it, because that was before simulcasting, so... Oh man! Yeah. yeah well, I, and I and I and I don't know the announcers booth up there. I'm pretty sure I've been in phone booths that had more room. Yeah, I, I guarantee you. Yeah, I mean, it, it was so tiny, and it still is so tiny. It's it's just insane. Um, you know that <laughs> the stuff that they Dick Wilson. I, I'll never forget. There was another day that we uh, we were up there and and. Uh, the jockeys wouldn't ride because it was too cold. It was, you know, they just said, "No, nah, we're not riding." So, uh, I think they 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 were down to seven jockeys. Well, they had nine horses, and so the stewards told the the the, the owners, you know, so we got to scratch two horses. We only got seven <laughs> riders. So they they went around and and uh, they couldn't get enough guys to scratch on their own. So they they. Uh, they went ahead and drew pills to see who had the scratch. <laughs> so you had to draw the pills to see who had the scratch, and then they had seven jockeys for seven horses. Well, they, they couldn't figure out a fair way to decide which jockey rode which horse, so they drew pills to see which jockey would draw, you know, ride which horse. So basically 20, 20 minutes before post, Everything changed. The horses in the race, the jockeys that were riding in the horses in the race, and I mean, if you were alive in a pick three or pick four, you were just screwed. Because I mean, it was it, it was just something else. It was like anything to anything to run a race. Oh man, that that had to break just about every rule that that the state racing commission had set up. But yeah, uh, and I, I was just sitting there laughing my butt off. I I, I, can't, I couldn't believe it. Well, that's the way it goes. I guess if that's the way they want to do it, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Well, well, I, and I will say one of the one of the best things about that track uh, was in the grandstand, and, and and I believe they called it a hillbilly steak, and it was a piece, a big chunk of fried bologna with cheese on top. Have you ever had one of those hillbilly hill, hillbilly hamburger? Hillbilly hamburger, okay. Yeah, uh, they were fantastic. I mean, your cardiologist wouldn't recommend it. It, it was absolutely delicious. And then recently, uh, within the last five years, they quit calling it. Uh, they they just call it a bologna sandwich. It, I I guess somebody complained about it. You know, PC. Oh, oh I guess it got yeah. Being politically PC, correct, you couldn't you know, call it a hillbilly hamburger. hamburger. It wasn't uh, polite, so. 
Now, one one thing, you know, I, I was reading in in the forum the other day. Ed Vomaka was saying that they're they're going to have some things on tap prior to closing day uh, because you know it's the final go around. While he'll be going with the new track, a lot of people won't. It's going to mean a lot to to Grove City. Well, as you know, if you look out there to the right of the grandstand, though it's not the best well kept, is the grave of the famous Ohio Horse of the Year, Glacial Princess. I want you, as a representative of the Daily Racing Forum, to challenge management and say, what are you going to do with the gravesite of Glacial Princess, John? Right, yeah, they're going to have to do something. I mean, they just can't just pretend it wasn't there. Um, that's well, they almost did before out on the West Coast. Luckily, they got him back up, and he's buried at Old Friends. And I'm sure Michael Blowen at Old Friends would be happy to have Glacial Princess. But, you know, like you said, they're just going to bulldoze the place. And uh, what are they going to do with her remains? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that whole place, it's just, it's hard. It's got, I think we talked about this the other day, it was the only 5 ace turf course in the country. Yeah. Um, when, when Darby Downs had the 5 ace turf course, it was, I mean, talk about a bull ring. Um <laughs> Maybe for some easy gambling, but uh, you know, five eighths, five eighths of a mile uh, on the turf, and and the thing was only, gosh, fifteen feet wide, maybe at the most. Yeah, it was almost like um, a ring around the tote board. And and I, I, as I told you the other day, I was there, and for whatever reason, they decided to run a quarter horse race on the turf course, and they went ahead and did it. So I just boxed the one, two, three in the trifecta, and every horse on the outside blew the turn, and they just came in one, two, three. It was one of the easiest bets I ever made. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, things things were done a little bit different, but, man, I can show you some old photos of the people with the straw hats and the place just absolutely oh, yeah. packed. Uh, you know, and again, you know, I didn't realize that it was, uh, you know, two years earlier than even a Coney Island racetrack in Cincinnati went in. So uh, they were the oldest racetrack, and uh, while it's, you know, got to admit it's kind of been a bit disheveled, am I being kind, um, it, it will be sad to see it go. And, and I feel sorry for the horsemen um, from the Grove City area who have families there. I think the move to Mahoning Valley uh, is going to be very tough on a lot of those guys. I, I agree, I, and I don't know how in the world. I mean, they canceled up as it is running uh, this time of year up in south of Columbus. I can't imagine up, up by Cleveland running this time of year. Um I just don't know how in the heck that's going to work. Yeah, I heard initially they wanted to have bleachers for 300 people. (laughs) Outdoors in the winter. (laughs) I think the racing commission said, no, you better take these plans back, my friends. Yeah. So we're, listen, we're talking to John McDoolin from the Daily Racing Forum. We're both reminiscing uh, days at uh, Beulah Park, Derby Downs, then Beulah Park again. Uh, the, they'll, they'll be closing up uh, just after Derby Day this year. But another track that John worked at uh, was, was Oaklawn Park, uh, a place that's really beautiful and a great place for racing. So we're going to take a quick break here on Winning Ponies. And we come back, we're going to take a look at the first stakes race of the year at Oaklawn Park. You're listening to winningponies.com.
school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. Okay, before we get back to John McDoolin, I want to remind you that uh, we are having a Winning Ponies Eclipse Award contest. Now, it starts tomorrow, and it will be up on the homepage. 150 cash for first, uh, 50 winning credits for second, 25 winning credits for third, and then we've got uh, uh, Cody calendars uh, for fourth and fifth, and uh, some more winning credits for those sixth through tenth. So, uh, again, that starts tomorrow, the Eclipse Award contest on winning ponies. Ponies. And with us now is John McDoolan from the Daily Racing Forum. John, I know you've been all over the place, probably as many tracks as Janice Blake has ridden at. And what, I've only been there for one uh, several day period in my life, and that's Oaklawn Park. And I absolutely relish the experience. I, I loved Hot Springs. It reminded me of Saratoga, how everybody in the town kind of embraces the racing game. The people at the track are so pleasant and kind i mean they, they really treat you like 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 a guest uh t- tell me about your experiences in hot springs in oaklawn yeah they, that's exactly how they treat you as a guest i think the first first day i was down there i, I there were three or four outfits that invited me to dinner and i said hey, come, on, come on we're gonna we're grilling out after the races come on get something to eat and you know, have a few beers with us, and um, you know, and then the big night of the week down there is they all go play poker. Terry, uh, Terry, the the uh, announcer down there, he he's from Cincinnati, Terry and so he, uh, uh, you know, yeah, come on, let's go play, let's go play some bingo, and we just had a blast the whole time we were down there. You couldn't you couldn't ask for a great, you know, nicer bunch of people, and. Um, and, and I don't know if you've ever if you made it to the press box. They they had uh, I, I guess the uh, gentleman or the owner's son was a owned a a, uh, a beer distributorship around there, and so they had beer on tap in the press box. So that like as that. soon as after the last race was done, 
we'd run up there and and uh, have a couple beers, and so I, I may, might, might have taken advantage of that once or twice while I was there, um, you know, well, long after the races. I, well, that was the only place that I worked four hours after the races every day, if I can tell you that. And, uh, Terry's a great guy. He, know, he's he's been on the show before. And, uh, uh, t- Terry, he really put uh, Hot Springs in perspective. He says, you know, John, I've, I've called at different tracks around the country and stuff. As a matter of fact, he started uh, at, at River Downs after working in the uh, the parking lot. He was an announcer there. And he said, in, in most towns, if you go there and you come in and you strike up conversation before you sat down for dinner and you told them you worked at the racetrack, they sat you next to the men's room. He said, in Hot Springs, if you tell them at the racetrack, they sit you by the front picture window that's the difference <laughs> yeah yeah he's right he's right it, it, it was a great place and and uh um just everybody was friendly and, and with just every night something going on it crab races one night at the hotel and and uh <laughs> uh you know everybody stay after the races and and uh and watch them and, and have a couple beers up in the press box. And, I mean, it was just, go play bingo one night. It, it was just a lot of fun. Um, and then you get the, you know, the hot springs and the stuff on days off to do. There's plenty to do. And then they had, uh, you got to go eat. If you're in the, a member of the press, you, you got to go eat in the, uh, every day uh, they, they've got this big buffet that, that uh, like in the VIP uh, room, and you get to go take advantage of that. And I mean, they just treat you like a king there. It's it's uh, and every year for the uh, Oakland Derby, they have uh, they give you. A, a, I got all kinds of stuff from there, um, like uh, um, gym bag that that's uh, engraved with my name, you know, on it, and same thing a, a tie engraved Italian made tie. I mean, it's just a first-class operation. Every, everything they do there is first-class. On, on closing day, they have barrels and barrels of champagne in the in the press box for after the races, and um, it's just a first-class. You, you can't that that play, um, I've been to, to uh, uh, Arlington and there, and uh, I'd say those two are the. The nicest church was nice, and I'd never been to Saratoga. Um, Keeneland obviously is the, probably the nicest, but um, and it's the same food outfit that does Keeneland that does uh, that does Oakland. So. Well, one of the nicest things about this show is that I get sharp guys like you, and I'm down to about four minutes, my producer's telling me. So let's try to see if we can't give out a few winners. Oak Lawn Park opening day, it's the $100,000 Dixie Bell for three-year-old fillies. This looks like a two-horse race to me. I kind of like the brother act in Cecil and Calvin Burrell with more than beauty, but I think a uh, an adversary in there is going to be Steve Asmussen's street story coming out of the Lettier Memorial at the fairgrounds. You know, I, I'm right there with you. I, I, I like those two horses. Um, I, I don't like the chalk, but I like those two. Um, and back, back when I was... The first year that I was at Oakland Park, the very first day, obviously opening day, is the Dixie Bell. Back then it was running five and a half furlongs, and they had 14 three-year-old fillies going five and a half. It went five and a half then, and uh, uh, I there were no uh, saddlecloths then or, or, or cap colors or anything. You just had to 
memorize what the jockey was wearing. And, and I figured if I, once I got past that and did that on the first try, I thought, okay, I, I, I can do this. So uh, that that was a big confidence builder for me. But yeah, I, I, more than beauty, I don't I don't think they're going to be able to beat more than beauty in there. All right. Well, listen, I'm down to three minutes, so we have to make this brief. Of course, the Sham, it's a points race for the Kentucky Derby. Ten points goes to the winner. It's kind of a short field, going a mile. Uh, I am drawn to the bottom horse, a second-time starter, Midnight Hawk. If you know me, you know an angle I love is an equipment change and then bullet workouts. Midnight Hawk has two. Broke its maiden with an 84 buyer, trained by Bob Baffert. Who do you like? I'd like the same horse. I hate eating the chalk, but I mean, the horse has done absolutely nothing wrong. Like you said, after after a nice win, uh, wins by six and a half almost, and then he comes back and beautiful works uh, off the equipment change. I mean, I, I don't see. He, he looks like he's coming into hand just at the right time, and Baffert, I think it's going to be one of Baffert's derby horses. Yeah, and Midnight Loot, who's trained by Baffert, is a sire of this horse. And uh, as as we've seen over the last season, these Midnight Loots don't really uh, run it too. They kind of they kind of come back. This horse did break his maiden very late, December thirteenth. So he looks like the one to beat. There's a couple other horses you might want to put underneath. Uh, but let's move on to the next race so we get all three of our races in. I only got a minute left, John. Your top pick in the Sand Pasquale looks like Jerry Holland offers holding a heavy hand. Yeah, but I'm going to go with a little bit of a long shot. The three-horse Majestic City in there uh, won the time before last um, over this track uh, with a 99 buyer, came back at, at Golden Gate um, in the grade three, ran second by six. Um, horse done, you know, they had a pretty good year, seven run, seven times out this year. He's got a win, two seconds, 104,000. Uh, so I'm going to go with him, and then I'm going to use Jerry Hollandorf. I'm going to use a 2-3 exact box. There you go. Well, we've been talking with John McDoolin from the Daily Racing Forum. John, uh, again, I agree with you. What I was going to say, I don't think you can go wrong if you take the Hollandorfer horses and box them up with Majestic City. I just tighten it up for time's sake. John, thanks a lot for reminiscing. It's always great having you on the show. Uh, I've, I've still got a smile on my face from trading stories with you, my friend. Always, John, always. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, that's it. That's John McDoolin. I want to thank Janice Blake. I want to remind everybody that we've got a Winning Ponies Eclipse Award contest. Cash on the Barrelhead, 150 bucks. Give us your picks, not only for Horse of the Year, but Divisional Champions. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head and not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.